welcome to the second and final episode of our interview with Dr. John Silva, the first president of ASP and one of the founding members of the organization. A warning before we start the episode today. Around the 40-minute mark, this episode contains accounts of sexual assault and may not be suitable for all listeners. Thank you for listening. Dr. Silva, you've you've touched on so much uh, about that, those first couple of years from appointing the first executive board to Jekyll Island and putting together this incredible first conference to getting these committees filled. I, I feel like to, kind of to Brandon's point, asking this next question is also going to be somewhat repetitive, but when you look back on those first two years, what were you really hoping to accomplish in them? And, and what can you look back on and say, these really are the major accomplishments that we did those first couple of years? Well, first getting ASP off the ground in a high quality way, yeah. high quality people. Uh, that was absolutely a priority. Uh, I wanted to be successful in getting a good cross-section, uh, a diverse group of individuals, Canadians, Americans, males, females, you know, and we were pretty diverse uh, right at the get-go. Uh, uh, I wanted to do that, to have a good cross-section of people that represented our field that I knew were, were high-quality people. I wanted to have them involved. Uh, I wanted to make sure we developed the, those three areas with research um, and practice uh, and very disappointed that, you know, the health didn't really develop the way that, that I had hoped it was going to, I thought that was our sleeping giant, to be honest with you, sure. you know, exercise and well-being, uh, you know, exercise and depression, exercise and anxiety. And the funny thing is, you know, one of the presidential groups did away they, they wanted to do away with health psychology and now in a funny way they kind of want to bring it back through mental health because mm. wouldn't mental health fit perfectly into the health psychology area so I was a little disappointed that uh, that one did not you know thrive but maybe it will come back it needs leadership in that area uh, there's so much there to do so I wanted to get those three areas up and running and and, and we did uh, but we lost some of the health psychology people who started to become, you know, kind of more research <clears throat> focused and less applied focused. And, um, but the social psych and the intervention performance enhancement, uh, those two areas held up really well. I wanted to get students involved uh, because my experience in NASPA uh, was that it was pretty tough for students and young people to, to break through. Uh, to even sometimes communicate uh, with people uh, when you'd have your, your social before the conference or the students were always kind of clustered together. And I know sure. that's a little natural, you know, but one thing I did as ASP president is whenever we had meals as a group, and we used to do that all the time, uh, I went around and sat at tables with students and people. I had no idea who they were. And I just asked them to introduce themselves to me. Uh, and I would chat with them and I'd tell them, you know, I want to get to know you, I want to get to know what you're doing and what you feel comfortable here. You know, we have a student rep. If there's anything that's concerned to you and you don't want to talk to somebody on the executive board, go through your student rep. You know, you're our future. You know, yeah. And I want you actively involved. So the, the building on the, the student representation was really important to me. Establishing JASP uh, was very important. <laughs> 
and with Bill's, uh, you know, encouragement, uh, I was on that pretty quickly, uh, and we got Jasper off the ground. And I served for uh, several years as the first editor of that. Wow. Uh, and uh, we had some great stuff published by the Mike and Bombs, the Mahoney's, uh, you know, some big, big name people from psychology published. If you go back and look at first five years of JASP, you, you'll be floored by some of the names of people who published in that. Wanted to get certification going and knew that accreditation was going to kind of take a back seat. Uh, so I wanted to make sure we got accreditation going. Uh, and I wanted to have certification reviewed about every three to five years. And that never happened. So that kind of fell through the crack. And we went, gosh, I don't know how many years we went uh, without really taking another look at certification. Is it still okay? Do we need to make changes in it? And then finally that happened. Now, I didn't agree with everything that took place in the revision uh, of certification, but I was really happy that finally, you know, we we're mm. gonna get a group of professional people together and take a look at it. You know, here's where we are, you know, can we make this better? And then the other thing I would say is, you know, I was pretty excited to establish the past president's council. And even though for a little while, I was the only one in it. <laughs> I ate by myself. <laughs> Council of one. Yeah. But, you know, again, I saw that as being really important, just like the fellows were going to become really important. And we talk about institutional memory and rich sources of information that, you know, kind of get lost. And the past president's council is it's a, a wonderful opportunity to have that institutional memory to cross generations and work together. Um, you know, and some people have spoken to me about the, the generational shift and, and ask, and of course that was going to happen. I mean, I, I never wanted anybody to get reelected as president. We've had that discussion. Mm. Uh, I've been asked numerous times to run again for president. I know other colleagues have been asked a number of times to run for a second term. I don't think we should do that. I, I think we should keep electing new people, hopefully competent people, insightful people. But some people spoke to me that when we shifted from, you know, kind of more senior, we weren't senior when it started, but, you know, more, more senior people to this, quote, new generation that, you know, there was, there was some rub. And I can, and I've spoken to people about this, and I can honestly say it, it wasn't us, you know, it wasn't us older, quote, older faculty. We were there to support people. We weren't there to bully people or try to tell people what to do. But, you know, we were all leaders of the organization uh, at very important, you know, times. And none of us were shy about, you know, making a suggestion. And it was always a suggestion, you know, or to think something through in a little bit of a different way. So I saw the past president's council as something that I hoped was going to be really instrumental in keeping the institutional memory alive put some of those past presidents on committees, you know, don't kind of exclude them from committees, you know, have a past president on this committee and that committee, you know, bring all the perspectives together, like yeah. we were trying to do at the very beginning. Yeah. So those two things that were, you know, pretty important accomplishments. 
Uh, I'd also have to put in there maintaining very positive relationships with so many colleagues uh, and, and people who were students who are now colleagues over you know a, a 30 plus year span. Uh, I just feel it's wonderful that I am still in communication you know, with, with so many people uh, that have gone through ASP and so many people who were students uh, at the time when you know, we were doing some of this formation who are now your, your colleagues. Right. Mm -hmm. I, we were talking about that before, kind of the, the path you know, within sports psychology that seems that for a lot of people to, to run through you know, Chapel Hill at some point in time is, is pretty, uh, is pretty special. I would have to think as, you know, as a faculty member or someone that gets to, for however long it is, you know, um, be a part of, of those individuals journey, you know, as they make their own, uh, footprints in the, you know, in, in the field themselves. I think that is a really, really special part of, um, those that are in the academic, you know, part of, of what we do. A really special part of that uh, that role that we play. Oh yeah, I mean, I love to see any student, you know, not just my own, but like you guys. I mean, I knew both of you when you were students, and uh, to see young people go on and you know pursue their dream, and I'm sure, like me, sports psychology was was kind of like a, a dream for you. It's what it's what I really wanted to do, and I found that out young. Uh, you know, my my first quote, dream was to play professional baseball. And, you know, I kind of saw that's not going to happen. Um, and I'm so thankful that Dr. Sheehan came into my life my second semester sophomore year, because I would have been miserable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I, I do want to just real quickly make a note that, um, I'm very grateful to have been um, remembered by anybody as like when I was a student, just so you know, John, the, you know, we have a disclaimer that we share with this, with the podcast that um, ASP is funding the, the work that we're doing with this um, as, as one of, from one of their grants. And I didn't know this at the time, but when you're building your, you know, your, your, uh, your research team. I don't remember the name that they use uh, specifically. I believe um, it was a senior, a senior uh, or, or, or established, 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 established. and then I, I realized, oh, that's the role that I apparently I'm playing on, <laughs> the, uh, on this team. So, uh, so I appreciate you mentioning, uh, you know, our interactions back when I was, when I was a student, which I don't feel like was that terribly long ago, but nonetheless, I do want to at least take a moment to to point that out, um, since one of my own students, uh, current students, is um, a part of this project too. So, um, time flies, guys. Time flies. It sure does. It, it does. Sure does. So, it, as you think about, you know, um, your experiences and your time, so this is one of our favorite parts. Although all of this has been has been absolutely wonderful, um, we hear so many amazing stories, and so one of the things that we like to do is to kind of take a break from, although it ends up coming back to sports psychology oftentimes in some way, shape or form, but give you an opportunity to, to take a break and maybe tell us a fun story, um, you know, from your time, you know, in the field. And it can be about anything. Um, it can be about anyone, should you choose to name names. And we've had folks name, you know, names in a very respectful and kind way that were a part of um, that event or that story, but just something that kind of, um, 
you know, as you reflect on, you know, your experiences within the profession, um, something that brings a smile to your face and um, we'd love to hear hear, hear something. This one still brings a smile to my face and it happened at the very first conference down at the, the, the villas in Jekyll Island, Georgia. So some of our Canadian colleagues said, uh, hey, John, you know, we're going to come down to the conference. You know, we're all excited. You know, we're, we're looking forward to coming down to Jekyll Island, Georgia. And, you know, October is not that cold, you know, up in Canada. <laughs> you know? But, uh, you know, they were all hepped up, all excited about, you know, coming down. And some of them vacationed in Florida. Uh, so, they, you know, they kind of familiar somewhat, you know, with the South, so to speak. So I mean, that's fantastic, guys. You know, looking forward to seeing you. And I figured they're going to they're going to fly down, right? So I'm walking across the parking lot of the villas, going back to my room. It's uh, you know the late afternoon, the day before the conference started, and these four vans roll in. Oh my gosh! Yeah, in the parking <laughs> lot, and the driver's door opens up, and out jumps, you know, one of my Canadian colleagues. And then another van driver door opens up, out jumps one of my Canadian colleagues. And then the van door slides and student after student after student after student coming out like they were packed in sardines. They <laughs> drove all the way down from Canada, from different, mostly from Ontario, but uh, from some different parts of Canada. I don't know where they met up or something on the road. Uh, and came all the way down to Jekyll Island, Georgia, in a in a van. Oh my gosh! Which you know, I'm sure they had a heck of a good time coming down. But then I said to him, you know, you guys got to you got to make this drive back. I don't think it's yes. as exciting. <laughs> and uh, as it turned out, most of the students ended up sleeping. I heard on the way back, they were all rowdy on the way down, but ended up uh, sleeping on the way back. So I got a big <laughs> kick out of that. How tremendous support from our Canadian colleagues driving from Canada down to Jekyll Island, Georgia, and then the tough part, you know, having to drive back. But they had a wonderful time. And uh, many of our Canadian colleagues were very loyal members of ASP uh, their entire careers and presenting and supporting us uh, in our endeavors. So that's my funny story. Oh, I love it. Well, and just I'm thinking that not only about the drive back up, but that temperature change going yeah. from Georgia back up to, to Canada was probably a, a, a rough one. Right. Yeah. And it was probably a little cooler only, you know, four or five days went by. It was probably a little bit cooler when they got up there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I love the commitment too. We're just getting in some vans. Let's go to this conference. Let's go make this a road trip. One yeah. way or another. Oh, what absolutely. Talk about some team building for better or for worse. <laughs> All right. Well, Dr. Silva, you have given us a few teasers of this. So I'm so excited that we're into these next couple of questions because I've been dying to ask you more. And so we're finally here. Let's start by thinking about how the field has evolved. We'll go to the organization of ASP in a second, but how do you feel like the field has evolved, the field of sport, exercise, performance, psychology, and what are your thoughts, good and bad, about where the field has come? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, there is good and bad. There is yin and yang. There's no question about that. Always. Let me start Let me start out with the good. Uh, uh, I'm probably not going to use the wooden approach here, you know, the sandwich effect. <laughs> you start out with positive, then you give the negative, then you finish with the positive. 
that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but uh, let me uh, let me give you the positive. I think there's more acceptance of the practice of sports psychology now than, than we've ever had. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, I really I'm, I really don't think it's come from ask. Uh, I think it's come from athletes in the last few years speaking out about some of the psychological challenges that they've had. And you've just seen the domino effect that that's had. You know, right. where we have more jobs now than you can ever, ever imagine coming out in sports psychology at the universities, at all the professional teams. Now, hockey was way ahead. Uh, mm-hmm. And I worked with EJ McGuire. I don't know if you guys remember EJ, but uh, I worked with him with uh, the National Hockey League many, many years ago. Uh, and I also did some testing with them uh, on, on their combines before they did the draft. Because they, they had uh, some of the teams had a lot of money, like the Montreal Canadiens, and they could do mm. tremendous amount of scouting of the different players and all kinds of testing and stuff. But the NHL came up with, uh, you know, a national program of trying to evaluate. So the, the NHL was really ahead and they were almost kind of out there in the wilderness uh, working with professional football players, especially specialists. I worked with a lot of specialists um, and Major League Baseball players. Uh, there was not a lot of support from coaches. Uh, in fact, you know, you were kind of looked at as an intrusion. They wanted to mm. control the psychological information, the psychological impact that was, you know, being had by the players. They didn't want somebody else coming in from the outside. And my God, I mean, that change is dramatic. Yeah. And I attribute that to the courage that athletes have had to speak out uh, about some difficulties that they've had. You know, even that tennis player, oh my God, uh, going in front of the media and saying, I just can't play anymore. I need some time off. I need this for my mental health. I mean, that was so huge. And then other Phelps, you know, coming out. uh, And I think that really changed the landscape in a very positive way. And and it led to a much greater acceptance of sports psychology, sports psychologists, uh, working with athletes. And now, I mean, Major League Baseball, they just don't have a sports psychologist. These teams often have three sports psychologists. At least one has to speak fluent Spanish. Yeah. Uh, and they might work in, uh, you know, in uh, South America or the, the peninsula there between South America and Mexico. Uh, and work with these athletes who are coming up the pipeline, so to speak. So that's a real positive. Uh, I think we're in a heyday right now. Uh, and, and Jim Taylor, I hope you watch this. <laughs> you know, all the complaining he's done uh, over the years about not going into sports psychology because there are no jobs. Mm. And him and, I, we, him and I have discussed this, so it, I don't mind sharing it with everybody. I never went into sports psych because I thought I was guaranteed a job. I went into sports psych because I loved it. And you mm. can go into medicine, you can go into dentistry, you can go into wherever you want. You're not guaranteed a job uh, when you finish that education. So I, I think okay. it's a real shame uh, that maybe people were discouraged because it was tough. It really was. I mean, three jobs coming out in a year for several years, one job some years. I mean, and you had to find something to do if you want to eventually find your way back into sports psych. And I was on that thin ice, you know, Maryland promising me that, you know, kind of take care of me if I didn't get a job because it was summertime and I didn't have a job yet. 
<laughs> my first, you know, first year out of grad school. So I think that's fantastic. I think certification, I mean, we need to continually look at that. I'm not happy with it. Uh, you know, I'm not sure whether we improved it or not, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think we need it for sure. I think we really need to let our students get well-grounded in sports psychology, you know, the subject matter. You know, I consult in the subject matter of sports psychology. That's what I, that's personally what I do. And I have my hands full. And working with a defensive back is so much different than working with a long snapper or a place kicker. You know, and that's just within a sport. And then you look at the different differences and the cultural differences uh, and the norms uh, between like football and tennis or table tennis. I mean, you've got to understand the culture that you're working in. When you start working with a high-level athlete, they might find it cute to educate you for a little while, but they're not paying you to educate you about what's going on in their sport. You have to come in, you know, with, with some knowledge of what's going on. And I refused to work for Team Handball twice because I told Dr. Buni, I'm not familiar with Team Handball. And look, I became this Team Handball knot, you know, so to speak. <laughs> You know, before I worked, agreed to work with handball, they flew me into Colorado Springs uh, a few times. And Dr. Bunin said to me, because the team was in, in residence there. And Dr. Bunin said to me, you know, after you come in a few times, if you think you're not, you know, cut out to work in this sport, if you don't understand some of the dynamics, you talk to the players and you're not connecting, then just recommend somebody else to me. So I didn't even touch team handball until I'd gone in several times, observed the sport, observed the practices, talked to the players, read the rule book 50 times, went for six mile runs with the coach. <laughs> you know, uh, Javier Garcia Cuesta was the coach at the time. And then I said, you know what? This, I love this sport. I understand it completely. It's kind of like lacrosse with your hands instead of a lacrosse stick. It's really what it's like. Uh, and I was so happy, but you know, to take that opportunity. So I think we really need to look at certification a little bit more. Again, it's a big plus uh, that that we're in there and that we're, we're doing it. And I'll talk a little bit more about this when I get to the negatives uh, about certification. Um, I think we got more people involved in sports psychology. I think uh, we're doing a little bit better job of interfacing uh, with like the APA. Uh, and some people who are members of both organizations. And again, I, th I think that's our future. You know, we need to work with APA. We need to work with some of these other organizations that are more psychological and they need to work with us. You know, we're, we're more kind of sport oriented. We just, we need to continue that interface. But I think, you know, I think we're doing pretty good there. You got to remember we had Ron Smith, Dan Kirschenbaum, Michael Mahoney, Mike and Bob. I mean, the psychology people that we had involved in our organization just, you know, phenomenal. So, you know, I think we need to continue in that regard. We need to connect, you know, at the leadership level, um, you know, with, with these other organizations that, that can be really helpful. Um, I think those are some of the major areas that, you know, we've kind of evolved in. Um, oh, our grow, growing membership, our membership has continued to grow and we're financially stable. I think that's really important. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that more in the negatives. Um, and we are internationally recognized as if not the top sports psychology organization. You know, certainly I'd like to know who beats us. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think personally, I, 
especially you know I'm a little biased, but I I think <laughs> I think we're the top sports psychology organization. Uh, but you know, some of the European organizations in Australia, you know, they've come a long, long way. Mm. Done really well. They're ahead of us in some areas, especially in the certification stuff. Oh, right, you want the negative? Oh, you know, we've been waiting. We've you got your seatbelts on? <laughs> Katie, you got your seatbelt on? You're pretty quiet back there. That's right. Put the shoulder strap across. <laughs> All right. I'll try to be nice. Okay. ASP has been S-L-O-W, capitals, to address some of the most significant issues confronting our field. Uh, people have ducked them, to be honest with you. They've been discussed for a real long period of time. You know, it might not work out the first time or two, but you know, you got to knock on that door. And as I said a couple of times, some of the issues that we defined and discussed in the very founding meeting of the organization, you know, still haven't been brought to fruition. Uh, you know, certification still needs some work. Uh, accreditation, I'm glad we're, you know, addressing it. We need to get hopping on that. And I'd really, honestly, I'd really like to see us in accreditation, accredit master's programs. I don't think the PhD in exercise science kinesiology, you, that's not the degree that's gonna train people for the jobs that are out there today. You know, it's how I went, it's how many of us went, but that's the past. You know, that was the past. You know, today, <laughs> some of these jobs, they don't even really care if you have, you know, sports psychology degree or you have certification. So I don't want us to go too far in that direction and we lose the sport and the, and the sport knowledge. And you know, I want to see a balance. And I think we should be certifying master's programs at two-year level that provides the pathway for people. The undergraduate double major, certify master's programs. If somebody wants to get a PhD in sports psych, great. Take the research route as a master and then go in for your PhD, become a great researcher and a great teacher, give us some really good research that helps us in the applied area, as well as the basic area. We need those people. But they're, today, they're separate routes. And I don't think we're getting that. You know, we're trying to do a whole lot of things with our students sometimes, and you know, we do a, a lot of much, and, and we don't do enough of uh, what we should be really focusing on. Mm -hmm. So I hope they don't try to accredit PhD programs. And I know this upsets some people, and that's why we had trouble with accreditation. People knew their programs wouldn't get accredited. So they fought it. You know, Andy, he, he was tailoring the program to provide that science practice experience and hopefully lead to certification. But we had a lot of people, one, you know, one person, PhDs, one faculty member offering a PhD in sports psychology. And then you, you talk to the students and they weren't really getting any practice experience. They weren't getting any supervisor. I can't tell you how many students have emailed me. And then they're afraid to speak publicly about it. Right. You don't know how many emails I get from students still. And they're afraid to speak publicly about their concerns. And that bothers me. Mm. Why don't we have a listserv? Why doesn't ASP have a listserv? Why don't we have a forum where we can have dialogue with each other? Everything's kind of controlled. <laughs> the, the dialogue's kind of controlled. Why don't we have a listserv? Not everybody is on the sports psych listserv who's an ASP member. So, you know, I think we, we've dodged some of these important things. We need to establish the educational pathway. We need to, I believe, uh, provide accreditation of master's programs that are preparatory for certification. 
and then they need to lead to, and here's where we need to interface with psychology, APA. You know, we need the cooperation that people are going to accept these students as highly, they're double major undergrad, but they're not going to have a master's necessarily in psychology. It's going to be in sports psychology, but we need PhD programs that have sports psychology as part of their program, uh, embracing these students, accepting, they're going to be our best sports psychologists. You know, they're really trained to be a sports psychologist, and that's going to get me to title. They have a right to call themselves a sports psychologist because they are licensed. And what we have now is a lot of licensed people calling them sports psychologists who really aren't. Right. You know, they're really not. And, you know, we need to make sure we're addressing both. Uh, and, and we've dodged that for a long time. Um, the title issue, you know, a number of years ago, I tried to, I tried to encourage the leadership to go ahead and use the title for people who are certified, had proper background in sports psychology, and go ahead and let somebody try to sue us. And let's fight that case. And we got plenty of money to do it uh, in the organization. Even if we lose the case, we put forth the arguments that people should have this set of experiences and credentials before they can call themselves a sports psychologist. So people that are licensed, but don't really have any background in sports psychology, as far as I'm concerned, they don't have any right to call themselves a sports psychologist, but they do because they're licensed and there's no regulation over the term sport. Right. We've got people even calling themselves licensed clinical sports psychologists. I want to know where are the programs in clinical sports psychology? Where do you go if you want to be a clinical sport? We just created a new field with no background, no training, no graduate programs. But because I can say that, people do, they say that. I am a clinical sports, so are we gonna have clinical plumbing psychologists? Uh, are we gonna to start to have licensed psychologists based on the occupation that they're serving? We don't do that in other areas, do we? But it's done in sport, so. I, we got a lot of cleanup to do there. We've dodged title. And I don't think we should dodge title, but I think we got to get our house in order with here's the pathway. Here are the experiences. And you really do have a right to call yourself a sports psychologist. And that's not what many of us experienced in our education and training. But again, we're the past. You know, we need to be attentive to the present and the future. We need to be serving our students now, the kids that are coming up through the pipeline now who want to get a job. We need to stop kind of misinforming some of our students. You go ahead and get that doctorate in an exercise science department, and it might be a great experience and a great program. And now you still got two years up before you can get certified. You still have all the supervised work that you got to go pay somebody for so you can get the supervision that you should have had during your educational pathway. Come on, come on, ask. You know, we're better than that. You know, all right, the next one's gonna, I know, get some people upset. And that's the, the gross generalization of application of our skills. And this is why I don't like, I think the title we came up with, Certified Mental Performance Consultant, is awful. And a lot of, quote, senior people, a lot of the, you know, I don't know, somewhere 45 and over group, 50 and over group, 
you know, we kept advising people, no, this isn't, what is a certified mental performance person? What are you going to help people with jeopardy? I mean, where's the boundary? Where's the line? And how did this come about? This came about because from the 1970s until really just maybe five years ago, there weren't a lot of jobs. So people started recreating themselves. You know, I can use my sports psychology skills to help actors, to help doctors, you know, to help musicians. Oh, really? Can you show me one, two, three studies that addresses the generalization of sports psychology skills to other professions? And I know people do it and they did it because there were no jobs necessarily in sports psychology. They were looking for work. How do I take my sports psychology skills and get me employment? But that doesn't mean it's ethical. I wouldn't dare go work personally. I wouldn't go dare work with an actor because I'm completely ignorant of their culture. Now, I can learn it, but I don't want to learn it from them over a period of months while I'm charging them money. I don't think that's ethical. And again, I've spoken to several presidents about this. But people just don't want to address the, the, the really difficult issues. And this is a difficult issue. We have overgeneralized ourselves. And this isn't the model that's out there. The model is specification. Look at medicine, how highly specified. The amount of time that these people have to go to school and then school after med school, you know, as you want to specialize in something. You know, the person that removes your appendix is not the person that gives you a colonoscopy. You know? I mean, thank God. You know, so those of you who have, Katie, you probably haven't had a colonoscopy yet. But, <laughs> you're not looking forward to it either, believe me. But medicine is so highly specialized. Dentistry is highly specialized. Law is highly specialized. Go ahead, look at all these practice professions. They're specialized and we'll go against the grain. We can do everything for everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're an actor, these, these are generalizable skills. And people have said this, they've talked about it and people have swallowed it, but I haven't. I mean, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody you know, where you, you, you do work with other populations, but I think you should be trained to have the capacity to work with a certain population. I'm still learning in sports psychology. Sports psychology is more than enough for me. You know, and I'm in the twilight. You know, I'm trying to phase out. I'm not taking on any, any more clients. My wife says, retire. You're supposed to retire. <laughs> you know? But boy, I'll tell you, you know, I've had such a great experience, you know, working with quarterbacks, you know, NFL caliber quarterbacks. And that's so different than working with a place kicker. And that's so different than working with a defensive tackle. It's different, you know, and you got to learn to be able to work with those different positions within a sport, let alone jumping from a sport to a completely different entity, you know, and then where's the, where's the measure? Where's the accountability? How do we know we're really impacting people? Behavior change is really hard. It's really hard. Right. And to get lasting behavior change is extraordinarily hard. And I think we've lost that. We've forgotten about that, that it's not easy to modify behavior. And you see these quick interventions. I mean, I just couldn't imagine myself thinking that I'm really going to significantly impact somebody's performance ability after a meeting with them for one hour one time. I'm right. just not that blessed. I'm not that good. You know. <laughs> but people. They, I want to see the research. 
you know, where is the research that these things are actually doable? Hmm. Uh, let's see. I talked about failure to reserve title and how it's happening by de facto. It's happening. Ask should have been in leadership of that, but the students, God bless them, you know, they get it. Uh, I don't like this multi-tier, multi-label arrangement. We now have more titles than, than we've ever had. We have a bazillion titles that people call themselves. And, you know, you may or may not be trained, but licensed psychologists are not using the bazillion titles. They're calling themselves sports psychologists. Whether, you know, it's legit or not, they're doing it because they can. And then people who aren't licensed, if they want to practice in sports, they got to come up with some creative titles. Right. And there's a lot of them out there now, guys. Yeah, I am not in favor of that. It creates a caste system. Who's going to get the university job? Who's going to get the professional sports team job? When one of their first requirement is a license. So go ahead, call yourself whatever you want. It gives you a chance to practice. Uh, I understand. You know, but you're not going to get these top tier jobs. So what we're doing, whether we know it or not, is we're creating a class system within sports psychology where people who you know, are not fulfilling the educational and training requirements that are being asked for by employers, they're going to get boxed out. Now, if an employer advertises, I want a performance enhancement specialist and they don't care whether they have a license or not, okay, you're competitive for that job. Go ahead right now and go find me five of those and I know there are some out there where they call performance enhancement specialists, but then in the requirements, they got a license. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. So go ahead, leadership, you know, and I, and I believe in the three leaders we have right now. I really do. And I hope they're going to do good stuff. Uh, but you're not going to get that job unless you have the license you know, today. And you know what, gang? This sounds a lot like the 70s and the 80s when people said, I can do that. Right. It's sports psychology. And you know what? That bugs me bad. Hmm. Um, I'm close to the end here. <laughs> and I think these are really important points. I'm really disappointed, as I said, in the failure to develop the health psychology. It was our sleeping giant. It really was. I hope the leadership sees a way to bring that back, particularly since there's an interest in mental health. And I know there's debate going on. Should ask it involve the mental health? You, you deal with the whole person. Right. That's why I'm in favor of the double major, certification master's degree, and then terminal degree where you can sit for licensure. Whether you like it or not, you can't partition people out into little segments and what's going on in your quote, real life doesn't affect you. You don't think what's going on in Tom Brady's life has had impact on him? I mean, we're, we're human beings, you know, and it's really good and important to be able to compartmentalize and not bring this stuff out to the pitch or out to the field or out to the court, but it's darn hard to do it. And most of the time an athlete, whether you like it or not, they'll start talking with you about other stuff that doesn't have to do with enhancing performance in the sport that they're in, of personal relationships. You know, I had a, a, a girl here at Carolina many years ago, All-American in track, uh, going to nationals and she stayed on campus because nationals are usually after school is out usually in June or something uh, on track. 
And, you know, the track team was here on campus and she went out around midnight to go to timeout chicken biscuit, which is a real famous place down here where everybody goes to like at two o'clock in the morning to eat a chicken biscuit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and she, she left her dorm around midnight by herself. Uh, and it was a lot safer back then than it is now to go get a timeout chicken biscuit, you know, 10 minute walk. Uh, and I get a telephone call from her, crying her eyes out. Some guy had raped her. Grabbed her when she was walking back to her dorm, you know, pulled her off into the little bit of a secluded area and raped her. And she was crying and crying because, you know, she's got nationals coming up. She's been violated like this. And so I, I told her, you know, if she could make it back to her dorm, you know, do so. You know, tell me what room you're in. You know, I'll come in pick you up, you know, I'll bring you over to the hospital, which I did. I've walked student athletes over to the eating disorder clinic on campus by the hand, mm -hmm. you know, because they didn't want to go. Right. You know, people are going to recognize who they are. They're going to see who they are, you know, and they didn't want that stuff to happen. So we deal with these issues. Kids bring them up. What are you going to say? Well, I'm a certified mental performance consultant, and I can't talk to you about that, but let me get somebody who can you know, and how long is that going to take? And what's going to happen to that kid, you know, when that happens? So that was traumatic. I got her over to the hospital and then three o'clock, uh, got her over to the police station uh, after that. And then I got, I got home about, you know, four o'clock in the morning, you know, and uh, this stuff happens. You know, and I just think we have to be well-trained and, we got to pay attention to mental health. We, we still have the health psychology area that we could bring back and have it develop and, and focus on that. Um, ask the business versus ask the nonprofit. Ask was founded as a nonprofit. We started with nothing, nothing, zero. Those people, like I told you, came here on their own nickel from all those different parts of the country. Wow. And, and to this day, am I grateful and respectful for what they did? I was here in Chapel Hill. You know, they, they came on their own nickel from different parts of the country to help get ASP going. You know, Kelly got us the nonprofit status. You know, he, he did a wonderful job with that. We didn't have any money in the bank. We were always running on a shoestring, uh, you know, to, to get things taken care of. You know, now we're sitting on a massive contingency fund. And you guys might want to try and, you know, take a look at it. I don't think they hide it from anybody. And even if we had some kind of cat catastrophic event, you know, I don't know what it is, you know, the Russians are going to attack us, you know, maybe China. But, you know, it, what's it going to take to rebuild ass when we were able to build it from nothing, from zero funds, you know? What's it gonna to take to rebuild? Do we need to sit on this incredibly large contingency fund with money invested in this and money invested in that? We've got this CD, we've got CD ladders. Hey, all that's great. You know, I get it, we need some of that, you know, but how much do we need? And we're way too much of a business model. Why are we charging members for everything? We never charge members for stuff. We're sitting on all kinds of money right now. And why are we charging our members for stuff that we're telling them they kind of need to do to get certified, but to get recertified. I'm not in favor of that model. I'm in favor of us going back to the fact that we're a nonprofit 
we were founded and we developed to serve the needs of the members. And I think we've gone way too far to the business model. And I'm upset that we're charging our members. You know, membership dues fine, no problem. I'm upset we're charging our students. You know, we talk about student loans and students trying to scrape by and to get this experience, to get that experience. And if people say, well, it's because we've got to pay the speakers. You know what? Offer them two years free membership to do their workshop or whatever. We can come up with some creative ways to keep costs down so that our members and particularly our student members are not having to dish out money in addition to their memberships, in addition to the conference, you know, that they're gonna have to fly to in many instances, the hotels you know, that we're staying at. I think we gotta get more back to the nonprofit model and we've gone way too far toward the business model uh, under the leadership of what was a business manager who's now become the executive director uh, and nobody knows how that actually happened. When was that discussed? When was that discussed with the fellows, with the past presidents? How did we go from a business manager to an executive director who's a business person, who runs the business of ASP? You know, I have a big issue with that, you know, and, but I don't think anybody's going to have the courage to address that. Uh, near the end, gang, <laughs> conferences. Are you all having fun? Katie, oh, you haven't found your quiet back there. I'm having a blast. I'm just waiting for the perfect moment to insert my question. <laughs> right, and I'm expecting that from you now. <laughs> okay, conferences. We used to spend a significant amount of time negotiating with hotels and resorts where our conferences were going to be held. And we got great deals. I told you to deal at the villas, right? And I had to work hard for that deal. Uh, but we negotiated, you know, and we went to wonderful places that people could enjoy. And again, we've shifted over to the business model. It's too easy now. We're going to the same big cities and big, ugly hotels, you know, and, and what I'm told is, well, we're so big now, you know, we can't do it the way you did it back then. You know, the, the Villas Resort couldn't handle it. Yeah, maybe so. But there's some great resorts in West Virginia. There's some great resorts in North Carolina. There are different parts of the country that do conferences and do big conferences. And we got to stop going to these same cities and these big hotels that are you know, pretty costly. That's added on to your, your fee that you have to pay to register. And let's get back to going to some enjoyable places. You know, even when we went to Fort Worth, it was fantastic. You know, we we're in a really nice situation and everybody went down to, what do they call that place in Fort Worth where they have the mechanical bull? They have a name for that. Uh, yeah, that we were just there, we were just there, there uh, in October. And I had no idea about this. Yeah, it's called like the barnyard or something. Oh, you should have talked to Bob Weinberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, the place is called uh, Billy Bob's and it was set up as a challenge to Gillies. And, you know, Gillies had the mechanical ball at Gillies. I, I don't even drink, but I went there looking like a dope. You know, I had nice pants on and a vest. <laughs> you know, everybody had cowboy hats and boots. <laughs> and so they knew I was from the Northeast. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, we had fun there. The stockyard, I think it might be called the stockyard or something like that. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun there. Uh, this can be done and it's so healthy for the members. 
to be able to interact more with each other, to be in the same area, to eat meals together and chat with each other and a lot more. Uh, and and that, that's ASP, you know. Charlie and I always talk about the ASP spirit. And uh, Tara Scanlon made it famous by using it in her presidential speech. You know, and uh, I think Robin Veely uh, was fantastic in her presidential speech. Uh, and when she talked about getting the stink out of ASP and, uh, and it was such a great line. And she talked about how her dad took the whole family out on Sundays for a ride in their car. And he said, we're going to get the stink out, <laughs> you know, and it was the family discussing stuff that needed to be kind of taken care of. And I always loved that line. And I hope where ASP is going, I hope ASP is going to get the stink out. Uh, you know, I hope, ASP is going to finally address, you know, some of these issues that are outside of our comfort level that we don't feel good about. But I think we've hurt people. I think we've hurt a lot of our students. I think we've cost them time and money, uh, cost them frustration. You know, let's set up a pathway. If you don't like it, maybe you can go into another field. If you think you're spending too much time, take a look at what a doctor or a dentist or a veterinarian does. Uh, you know, let's get prepared properly. Let's cross that threshold from where we were in the past to where we need to be now. That's where I think ASP is going. So I might have jumped your last question. <laughs> well, that's actually, I think it's a perfect uh, segue to that question. So unless there's anything, um, John, that you want, would want to add to where we are going, um, I think you spoke to that quite, quite wonderfully with what you just shared. Well, I think, I think we've got to do a really good job. And again, I'm, I'm excited about the president-elect, president and past president we have now, because I really do think they have an understanding of the trials and tribulations, because I think they went through them, mm -hmm. you know, and talking with them. I think each person in our presidential offices went through exactly what we're talking about right now. Uh, and I think we got to do a really good job of thinking about who we're going to get to run for president and making sure that that person sees what's in place from the outgoing president to the current president to the president-elect. As you're coming in and you get elected, I think those four people should meet once that new president-elect is elected. And they should have a discussion about, you know, here's what, what's on the table. What do you want to bring in, you know, that's maybe a little bit different? Or do you want to help us complete these goals? We got to get away from that presidential disconnect. And I think we got to be really careful about trying to find people with courage uh, and vision to move us into the present. We got to move into the present. We're not in the present right now. We're still languishing around in the past. Uh, with no clear pathways, no clear understanding of title, you know, all these things, no accreditation or graduate programs. You know, we're still languishing. Well, that's not the way I did it. You know, you know I went, that's not what I went through. No, there's, there's a better way. And I hope I see it. You know, I'm, you know, I'm getting older, you know, and we've lost a bunch of great colleagues. You never know. Sure. It's an argument you don't win. You know, when the Lord says it's your time, you know, it's your time. Right. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't beat the Lord. <laughs> actually i vividly remember the 20 um it was a 20 year anniversary when you came back and, and spoke and i remember being in that room and i 
I'm trying to remember exactly the the phrase that you used. So forgive me if I I don't mean to misquote you, um, but I think it had it was something along the lines of that you are frequently asked that question of when you when you found it asked, did you ever think you know that it would it would be where it is now? Something along those lines. And if I I'm remember not, that. And I think your answer was no. <laughs> you expected it to be further, you know, which is what I think. I, if I, you know, absolutely um, thinking about everything that you're sharing now seems to speak to that same point that you made, um, you know, during that particular address, and 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 so I, you know, can connect the dots. Um, Brandon, that's excellent. Good memory. You're right on the money with that. I don't want to say spot on because I don't like that. Too many people say that. <laughs> I don't, don't want to say that. Uh, but you're absolutely right. And you're right. It's exactly what I said. I am proud of ASP and I'm proud of the things that it has done. So I don't want people to misconstrue it. Like, you know, John's grumpy or, you know, Don, John's unhappy with that. No, you know, no, man, you know, we're, we're better than we are right now. We're better than that. We can do more service to our students, to our colleagues, to the people who want to practice, to the clientele that we serve let's stop messing around and it's not going to be easy. Let's address these things. Let's clean it up and it'd be so wonderful. And you're right. I said, I thought we would be further along. In fact, I thought we'd be much further along because yeah. that 20 year thing was over 10 years ago. Brandon. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Hey, one quick question before Katie moves us all with her timely insight here. How many of you, well, I know Katie, you weren't at this, but were either you guys at, uh, when when Morton Anderson got the award, yes. What, what, I, I, what's that called? Some kind of achievement award? There's the Performance Excellence Award, if I'm not mistaken. I and think I, that, that might be the inaugural year. That it that was offered. Yes, it was, and I had to fight like hell to get them to do it. You know, Metzler was okay with it, but there were board members that were fighting it because they didn't have enough time to properly talk about it. I said, "This is Morton Anderson, <laughs> one of the greatest." field goal kickers in the history of the NFL. What do you want to talk about? You know, you're crazy. But uh, were you, Chelsea, were you at that? I was. Do you remember when he made me bend over and act like a snapper? I do. <laughs> and all these people were clicking their cameras. That was a great yeah. talk, too. That was It really was a great, uh, that was a great presentation. He's, he's, he's very, very bright man. And, uh, very courageous man and you know, I, I talk to the athletes all the time of courage over comfort mm -hmm. you know and that's important for us but you know you look yeah. at these pro athletes that are place kickers quarterbacks how about a db out there on the island all the time what about golfers right you know, you're missing a three-foot putt you know it costs you thousands of dollars you know you you can't function in your comfort all the time and i think asp has been doing some of that you know i don't I think ass needs more courage over comfort. Okay, here's my time to shine. <laughs> no pressure at all. Um, a bit of a disclaimer, I have about four pages of notes written already. Um, so I think that there's already been so much that's been shared um, by you, Dr. Silva. And I want to also acknowledge the importance of what you're sharing and being a part of the project. I think that as a student, it's been invaluable to me to learn so much about the history of ASP and also the importance that it carries into the students currently and the early career professionals who are going to move the organization forward. So I hope 
students are listening in and taking in as much as I have so far. Um, so with that, what advice would you have to students like myself or new professionals entering into the field now? Don't be afraid to speak to the leadership, mm. you know, and do it professionally. Uh, talk to your student colleagues, you know, I mean, I didn't mind being out on an island, but it's not for everybody, you know, mm. and, and if you, you, you want a little more social support, so you're not kind of out there by yourself, <clears throat> you know, I encourage so many people to, you know, talk to Bob Harmison, you know, I get emails, you know, and they're upset about, you know, the lack of training is probably the most common one that I get, you know, what do I do? Where do I go? What should I, what, what program should I go in? What direction should I go in? And I'm always telling these, mostly students, of course, talk to the leadership, tell them you're upset about that. You know, because I think a lot of times when they don't hear it, unfortunately, when they don't hear it from a number of people, just like NASPA kind of brushed me away. Mm. You know, who's this, you know, young guy, untenured assistant professor, you know, uh, telling, telling us that we should be paying attention to the professionalization of the field. You know, I, I hope that attitude uh, is not in ASP. I think it has been. Uh, we've had some people, I think, speak disrespectfully to some of our leaders, uh, and sometimes even in public, some of our mm. past leaders. And I think you've got to be able to discuss things that you don't agree with and not turn it into something, you know, personal. And, uh, and that had happened to, you know, almost a handful uh, of past leaders when we were dealing with some issues a few years ago. So I think you should encourage, you know, your classmates, so to speak, your, your colleagues to be able to speak up, uh, but make sure they're prepared. Make sure you know what you want to speak up about. Uh, think it through, maybe talk to a mentor or, or, or two, uh, talk to your student colleagues. It's good to bounce stuff off people. I mean, I never published anything without having it be, you know, mm -hmm. proofread by three different people. And my wife was an accountant in the med school. So, I mean, anything I did wrong, she caught, she caught. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's good though, to, to share your ideas before you, you know, bring them forward, but by all means, you know, bring them forward, do it professionally. And even if you get brushed off, like I did, don't let it discourage you, you know, mm -hmm. Um, what's the saying? The difference between a pest and a guest is that a guest is invited. Mm. Think mm. about it. <laughs> so, you know, you don't want to be a pest, but I think sometimes we do have to, quote, invite ourselves is mm. the invitation. You know, if it doesn't happen and it's important, you know, you need to do that. So that's one, that's one thing I would suggest. Thank you. Great. I want another one. That's just one. <laughs> a follow-up for me? <laughs> or, or a different one. And then I'll let you guys go. Go well, on. Come on, Katie. Katie, Three go for five. it. Ask the next question. You got it. Okay. Okay, this is a big one. I'm taking over Chelsea's role here. Um, what do you hope that your impact will be on the field? Right. That's it. That's for me. That's easy. Uh, to this day, I remain devoted to sports psychology and I want 
my impact to be advancement. You know, that John Silva was all about advancement. You know, I tried to keep positive relations with people of, of all ages up and down the line. Most people don't really know me. You guys probably know me better than most people in Aspen now. Uh, but most people really don't know me that well. Uh, I think sometimes, uh, you know, things that, that I've recommended to people, like when we had that so-called generational shift, I think it was people were scared, you know, that, you know, it was their mentors, you know, they were kind of replacing. And when I talked to, you know, those mentor people, it was like, you know, we wanted to help them. I mean, we just wanted to, you know, be suggestive to be available to make recommendations. But I think, I think we're over that, but I think there was a period of time where people felt like, you know, am I really qualified, you know, to lead the organization? You know, I mean, there's a big shadow of some different icons in the field that have served. And now, you know, I was a student of that person and now I'm the president, you know, I think, I think that was a little bit of the issue. And uh, I, I think we're past that and that, you know, we got really, I think we got really good leadership now and I hope I'm right, but I would like to be remembered as totally committed to sports psychology and the advancement of applied sports psychology and uh, being an honest and, and fair person. Hmm. I think that was that's a good great. question. Well, and the thing about that question that I really like um, is I think the, the tense sometimes um, is really, really important in terms of like the language we use. And so Katie, I appreciate you asking it the way that you did um, in terms of what do you hope your hope will be your impact on the field as opposed to like was, you know, past tense. But the idea, you know, with this project and, and all of our speakers being past presidents, you know, but the, the idea that impact could only happen during that period of time or, or, you know, some other time in the past. And yet there's still so much more in the present and even in the future too. Um, you know, with every person, including, including you, John, that, um, you know, that the field has continues to benefit from. So I uh, thank you for encouraging Katie to, um, to, to follow up with, with that last one. I think that was, uh, I think that was perfect. Yeah. And I'm excited to see different generations. You know, I mean, how can you be more healthy as an organization than to have different generations, you know, leading the organization and leading it in a positive and quality way. It doesn't bother me. I was, you know, 25 when I got my doctorate, 31 when I started to ask, it doesn't bother me the least bit, you know, to see young people getting involved in leadership, but, you know, think things through and make sure the focus is on other, you know, it's on the entity. It's not, it's not about you. I mean, ask wasn't about me. You know, I wasn't doing it for myself. You know, I was doing it really for a cause, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think we got to continue in that direction. What's best for the field? What is best? For, and I don't know what we're going to do about all these different titles. You know, I, I'm not comfortable with it. I think it's confusing. I think it's confusing to the consumer. Uh, so, I mean, I hope we can figure that out. And I'm not saying do away with them because some people almost like, you know, grandparenting, grandfathering, whatever you want to call it. You know, some people may need to keep those different titles so that they can continue to do what they do. But eventually I can see how we could phase all that out. 
And if you really want to, if you want to work with actors, we need to start some graduate programs that have a focus on working with the performing arts or something like that, that is as, as rigorous as some of our sports psychology programs are. I just think, you know, I, I don't get the ethics of saying I can consult with all these different populations when I haven't been really educated or trained to do that. I, I don't get it. It's not about the money. Amen to that. <laughs> if, it, if it is, then some of us chose the wrong, uh, <laughs> you know. Oh, it can get better, Brandon. Don't give up on that one. <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm, this was all, yeah, I think you said it before, John, about the, the passion, you know, the passion of, it seems to, um, we probably all have colleagues in other uh, areas that might be related to our own that went a certain direction for the financial, um, you know, uh, benefits for doing so. And, and it's interesting because I, I have my own stories of people that I went to grad school with that were in completely different doc programs that I remember vividly talking about, you know, there's a lot I could put up with, you know, for this salary amount that they're offering me for my first job. I'm thinking, all right, like go for it. And then, you know, however many months or years later, it's like, oh my God, this is, this is the worst decision I've ever made. And um, it's just, it's so interesting to see um, how things play out, you know, for some folks over time and, and what really is that, that driving, um, that, that fire, that driving force that, that, that leads us to wherever we may be. And I know we're very grateful um, to be the beneficiaries of, of your passion, John, and, and, and yes. that fire um, that, that you had that, um, that, that you've shared with us. And we hope, and I know I, I say this and it's not really meant to be sarcastic by any means. I hope it ends up at some point being maybe millions is too much right now, but maybe thousands, is that realistic of, of listeners, um, you know, to, to benefit from the, the history, but then also to get a much more uh, personal, yeah. insightful look at the wisdom and um, experiences that um, you can really only get from hearing it from the person themselves that, that went through it and did it. And Come so up with a catchy title and and talk to the leadership of ASP of making this one of the requirements for certification. <laughs> a built-in audience. <laughs> yeah. And think of all the people that are going to learn so much more about sports psychology than, than they ever had an opportunity. I mean, you guys are going to be covering so many different things. What, what, I love your project. I mean, it's creative. What great insights from different people. And you're going to get different things from different presidents, you know, and mm -hmm. different perspectives from the different time that they were president versus a different president. You know, I think it's wonderful for everybody to get exposed to this. And, hey, this is really what's been going on for 30 plus years yeah. you know, in ASP. Uh, see if you can discuss, uh, you know, with the leadership right now that, you know, is there some way that we can, for the benefit, the educational benefit of people who want to become sports psychologist. Again, I think this is history. You guys are creating, documenting, archiving history. And if you just leave it to, well, we hope people listen to it. There's tons of podcasts out there that are really, really great that nobody listens to. Sure. Sure. And, you know, one, one thing, you know what this reminds me of? How ASP used to be? 
Mm. When, we, when we went to these resorts and we went to these really nice places where we all ate meals together and we, we were in the same area and we got to right. sit down four, five, six, eight people and chit chat with each other. And you got to know your fellow members, you know, a, a little bit more than you know, now we're, we're kind of in this cold model, you know, mm -hmm. where maybe we're in two different hotels and we see each other in passing and maybe we talk for three or four minutes before a presentation or after a presentation. But the aspirate that Charlie and I used to talk about, you know, it was, it was this and it yeah. was enjoyable. And we interacted with people, you know, as colleagues and, you know, I know you learned a whole lot more about me than I did you, but let me just tell you, it's been a pleasure doing this with you guys. Seeing your smiling faces uh, has been a pleasure, you know, for me. Uh, and, you know, I hope one day maybe I can get to, to know each of you a little bit better. I do feel like I know you a little bit better just from chatting with you and, and uh, you know, Chelsea and Brandon, you know, I've known, I've really quote known you know, for a long time, but not really interacted in depth with you sure. guys. So, you know, from, from my end, thank you very much. I hope the holiday season is enjoyable and, and blessful for all three of you and all the people you love. Well, Dr. Silva, I'm, I'm so grateful for your recognition of the project and, and um, you seeing value in it. But honestly, this project only works if people like you are willing to share your stories and you're willing to share this historical knowledge that you have. And so from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for sharing all that you did and for your willingness to lean into tough conversations and for um, challenging all of us really to reflect and see, you know, what is most important and what questions are we willing to talk about and what conversations are we willing to sit in and choosing that courage model over comfort. I mean, if we're going to talk about that with athletes, then we need to be living into that ourselves too. So our sincerest appreciation to you, Dr. Silva, for starting the organization, for having the courage, you know, even in the face of people threatening you um, indirectly and directly to say, you know what, no, there's a better way to do this. And for stepping up and holding space for people to come together to do something different. So Thank you so much for the time. You've been so generous with your time this evening. Very much so. Very um, much so. Generous with sharing. And we're just so, so grateful for you. Thank you. You're most welcome. Thank you, guys. God and, bless. Uh, as, as our listeners know, you know, the title of the podcast is Asked and Answered. And we certainly asked and, and Dr. Silva was kind enough to answer. And so we will see and hopefully have all of our listeners back next time for our next episode of Asked and Answered. Thank you for listening.